What's up, what's out? Today we got a very talented guest, and I am here with Xavier. How you doing, Xavier? Doing well. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing good. But yeah, today we have a very, very talented guest. Thank you. His name is Nanto. His uh real name, I'm not Martra. Did I say that right? Matra, yeah. Close. Matra. Okay, yeah, got yeah. you, got you. <laughs> but yeah, so let's just get right into it. What uh what was your early life like? What were you doing and uh, how was your childhood? Let's start with that. Yeah, sure. So I actually uh, grew up in Canton, Ohio, which is a little bit north of here. It's about two hours north. So I uh, was a different type of life than it was when I was back home, um, like back in my parents' house and stuff for the day. Um, but, you know, I learned to, I, I guess I learned how to differentiate between Indian culture and American culture. And uh, I think over the years, I think over the years, it's been easy to acclimate between the two with my family and, you know, professional life and music and stuff like that. Um, the one thing I will say is, uh, I guess, as time progressed, the town that I grew up in has really like changed a lot. You know, it's become way more diverse and stuff. But when I was a little kid, it, it was still it was still, I guess, there I guess diversity still had to do some little bit of growing, I guess. Um, but it's changed a lot now. Um, so yeah, you, you you said you were born in America then? Yeah, I was born in Kentucky, actually, of all Not places. You. Yeah, yeah. I was born in so, deep South Kentucky. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about like the different cultures that uh, yeah. you have to uh, like kind of, I don't want to say decide with, but like, what what are some of the country sure. um, culture shocks that you have? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I was only in Kentucky for about two years of my life, like first two years, and then we moved to Canton. Um, and then Canton is Canton's interesting because it was like primarily a farming community. We had like two or three industries, like big industries, but we we're primarily farming and stuff. So not many people have heard of like, you know, different places outside of the U.S. primarily, you know, um, like places, Indian names, for example. That's a huge culture shock. When I go to classes and stuff, people have a hard time pronouncing my name or meeting me or, you know, what have you. And so when you go to classes and stuff, that's just something you get used to. You get used to people butchering your name and correcting them and stuff like that. Or, you know, I would say, uh, you know, I grew up, I guess we all kind of grew up in a post 9-11 type uh, of uh, climate. So, you know, being brown in that time period was a little bit different. People were a little bit wary of, uh, you know, Indian people and obviously, you know, Arab people and brown people alike in general. And so especially in a small little quiet town like that, it was a little bit different. You would hear things, you would hear people like talking smack or whatever, and you just kind of have to deal with it. Um, it's not the same as it was back then, obviously, you know, times have changed. But, you know, I, I would say back then it was a little bit different. You had to kind of have a thick skin back then. Um, mm -hmm. But I digress. I think overall, you know, the language barrier was not too bad, honestly, because I learned English and Hindi simultaneously. Um, so I learned obviously English in school and my parents are, are fluent in English as well. My dad, um, he did med school in India and then he moved across to do residency all across the world and stuff. So he learned English. Uh, actually in India, they teach English as one of the primary languages in grade school. So it's also taught simultaneously with Hindi, which is uh, the, the primary language of India, one of the primary languages of India. So question, do you have a you name know. in Hindi? So my name is Anant and Anantho is actually how you pronounce my name on Okay, so India is broken into a lot of dialects and different regions. Uh, so my dad is from the eastern, like his family roots tie back to the eastern, northeastern part of India. My mom's roots tie back to the, you know, northwestern part of India. 
Um, so my dad gave me the name, well, my parents gave me the name Ananth, but it, in Eastern, Northeastern India, it's Bengali. They kind of add O's to make A, they change A's to O's. So okay. they just put an O at the end of A, Ananth to make Anantho. And so I kind of just stuck with that and made that my stage name. I thought that would be pretty unique and, you know, kind of stay true to my roots in a way. I like to kind of combine the, and we can, we can go into more of this later, but I like to combine the, you know, the original Bollywood and Indian type of sound and music you hear and mix that with today's R&B, hip hop and trap and stuff like that and rock and roll. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of keep my name as Ananto. You know, it's just, it's just what everyone called me growing up to, but that was my name. Pretty cool. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to start talking about that uh, oh, combination yeah. of Bollywood awesome. and uh, trap. But um, let, let's start with, uh, when did you start getting into music? You started around 10 years old, am I correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, you know, you know, you're in grade school, they kind of put you in the marching band and stuff and have you choose an instrument. So I chose uh, the saxophone. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know much of it. I was just like, oh, the saxophone sounds like a cool instrument. I'm so gonna... it's always been a saxophone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I kid you not, there were like little baby videos of my mom made of me back when I was like two or three years old, where I had like a toy saxophone and I'd walk around with it and I'd play it, you know, just for fun. But like who, no one would ever guess, like I picked the saxophone in fifth grade and my dad was like, oh, you know, he's probably going to pick up the saxophone and play it for a little bit and drop it. Like, I don't see, I don't know if he's actually going to stay dedicated to it. But like, you know, fifth and sixth grade was just like, I was just picking up the basics. And then slowly in seventh grade, I started like actually listening. I could play by ear. I just started picking up how to play songs by ear. If I could listen to it on the speakers, I could just translate it on the sax. And I was like, and my dad was impressed. My dad didn't know I could do that. And I started like playing his old, he plays old Indian songs from like the 70s and maybe some of the 60s and 80s. And I would start picking up those songs on the saxophone at the age of 12. And he was he was surprised. He didn't, he didn't know what to think of it. I kept going with it. And, you know, I started, I stayed in band up until I stayed in the school band up until ninth grade. I did one year of marching band and I kind of realized, okay, you know, I I don't think marching bands for me. It's nice and all. um, And band camp was fun, but I kind of wanted to go down my own path and do my own thing. And I felt like if I stay with marching band, I'm going to stick to just reading music and doing the marching music and just orchestral music. And I kind of wanted to move to creating my own stuff and covering songs that have never been covered on the sax before, things that people have never heard. So I started covering uh, Indian songs and putting them on YouTube and stuff. And I invested in some like cheap little mic on at Best Buy and uh, started recording in my parents' basement, started putting that up on YouTube and stuff. And pe- I started getting hits on like SoundCloud and YouTube. And I was like, okay, like this, this, this kind this can go somewhere. Um, and then, you know, as I progressed more, I would say like 10th or 11th grade, I started getting into hip hop and rap music a little bit more. Um, and uh, because before then, I'd say I didn't really have a type of genre I listened to. I just kind of listened to anything, whatever. I wasn't too deep into music. But I'd say 10th grade, when I was like 16 or 17 years old, I really got into like actual listening into music, new releases, listen to Drake's new stuff, you know, whatever was popping at the time. Um, and uh, I formed like a rap group with some friends. There were some friends in my high school who, you know, they were into like rap and making hip hop music and stuff. And I was like, yo, I got a studio. I record saxophone in my basement. If y'all want to come by and like record a record or something, we can do it. Mm-hmm. So we would just take beats from YouTube and then get a couple rappers, like rappers, you know, kids back from my like high school. And we would just drop some stuff on like a beat off my mic. And I invested in some cheap little pop filter and we were starting to make songs. And then we started getting traction in the high school. We made a group in high school called crew entertainment and we were just dropping tracks off other people's beats and people in high school were like oh word like this is cool you know i like this i mess with this you know and um 
people were like really like into it. And I was pretty surprised. We were getting like two, three, four, five thousand views per song on SoundCloud oh. at the time. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. And you know, obviously back then SoundCloud was still pretty fresh and new. It wasn't as commercialized as it is now. So, you know, if someone posts on something on SoundCloud, it's like, oh, it's new, it's fresh, it's underground. And so we were kind of making a name for ourselves in high school and stuff. And we threw a party uh, my senior year or junior year of high school. We threw a New Year's bash. And man, that was popping. We got all of Canton to come out to that thing. We rented some giant like hall and we had all the rappers go on stage and rap. And I just was on stage because I was the mixer guy. I was the guy that everyone recorded and I would mix their stuff for them. And, um, you know, I always wanted to get on the mic and sing or rap, but I was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, I'm gonna let these guys do it because I don't think this is for me. And I would just hop on the mic with the sax. So if they wanted some saxophone in their, in their stuff, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll come in and drop a little sax feature at the end of their instrumental or something. But mind you, we never produced our own stuff. We just took songs from YouTube. still, we were still doing that like that. We didn't know how to produce back then. We just knew how to rap and sing. So when did you guys start actually recording? You so you mentioned the you know senior year bash, but when was this like eleventh grade, tenth grade? Yeah, eleventh eleventh grade. I, I I would say I started recording saxophone end of tenth grade, but then okay. we just started we started recording like rap songs and hip hop these like hip hop songs back in like end of eleventh grade that summer. And like mm-hmm. I was just like you know what there's that's when I really got into music and I realized there this is like really like peaceful for me. It wasn't necessarily a thing like oh yo I can make it. It was more so a thing like there's more to life than just you know, studying in school. And, you know, going back to my childhood, growing up, all it ever was, was just, you got to make sure you have good grades so you can go to college and do well and do big things. My dad being a doctor, you know, that was all that we kind of like knew was that, okay, my dad made it being a doctor. And that took a lot of education and studying and dedication. And my parents were always like, you know, you need to stay true to your school and stay, stay true to your, your work and your ethic. And I respect that. And I appreciate that a lot. And honestly, you know, I lived that dual life. I, after my senior year of high school, um, we kind of disbanded the hip hop group. It kind of just stopped because I ended up going, coming to Columbus to go to OSU. So that was 2015. Um, I went to OSU, started, I went, obviously I was studying electrical engineering and um, I graduated in 2020. So in that span though, my music developed so much. Um, it was crazy. Um, so I go to high school. I mean, I go to college my freshman year. I don't know anyone. I go to the music producers club and um, I meet so many friends. I meet so many new people, people who are big, who are still my friend to this day. Um, you know, I learned how to produce. Actually, I learned how to actually like lay a beat down, set a BPM, put some trap hats, you know, 808s, all that stuff, how to sample. And then I kind of broke into that. And I, st- I, f- I had a I had a friend named I have a friend named Locke and I have another friend named Jackson. These guys were in music producers club, but they were also in calculus, uh, engineering calculus too with me. So that course code was 1172. Um, so we were in that class together and uh, he was like, yo, we should, we, should, we, should hang out, we should hang out outside of the class, you know, and just make some beats or something, make some music. So uh, the boys came over to my crib and we just were like, okay, let's just, let's just lay something down. Locke had a couple beats. Locke's from China. Uh, from, he's from Hanzhou, China. So he uh he was he he it seemed like he had a lot of experience producing so he dropped some he had some cool beats they're really unique and intricate the key the you know the progression the chord progressions he chose for these songs was it was interesting so we started dropping like beats and i just we i had my same old cheap mic from high school and i just started dropping stuff and uh, like you know just rapping on it for fun and then um we were like yo we should make like a group drop this somewhere and jackson the other guy he's from cincinnati he uh he's he was also a producer so he'd also produce stuff for us 
and I was, it was just the three of us. We'd hang out every day and just make music. And um, we were like, you know what? Let's like, let's like drop, like, let's just make a group. And what was the group name? And I think we settled on 1172 Reverb Posse at first, which was like a really jank name, but we wanted to kind of incorporate the course code that the we all met code, in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we were in, we made this group 1172 Reverb Posse. And uh, that was our beat tag. And we thought that was a mouthful, but we kept it for, I would say like two semesters. And I thought it was, you know, it was cool. And people were trying to, people were starting to hear about us and like, oh, these guys make music and they're in high school, they're in college, you know, and stuff like that. They're here at OSU. Um, and then, so fast forward to 2016, we're making music and stuff. And um, I knew someone through my high school who was part of this honorary and they were hosting a music charity event at the Newport Music Hall. So they were like, yo, Anand, do you want to like be a part of this group and do you want to go perform? And at the time I was, simu- I was also simultaneously in a punk rock band too. I was playing saxophone for a punk rock band. I would say that really like playing in that punk rock band taught me how to improv and actually learn how to just hear a chord progression that a guitarist or someone was playing and just be like, okay, these notes will match up with that chord progression and then I can solo on it. That would, I say, I would say that took me like a solid like year to perfect. It took me a long time. Is that common? Um, when you're, when you're going and you're just jamming on the street or you're just meeting up a random musician, like nowadays I'll just go to like a jam sesh or I'll just go to like the, I'll go back busk on the street. You know, I'll just take out my sax and go play. And there's a guitarist that joins me. He'll be like, okay, I'm going to play a chord progression in E minor. Okay. Then I'll be like, all right, sweet. I know the notes that'll play in that E minor, in that E minor chord progression. And then I can go ahead and solo on it. But to get to that level, it really took me some time because I was so used to just being classically trained, you know, because of band and stuff where I just played what was on a scale or note on a sheet, you know, on, on sheet music. So being able to just pick up things on the fly was difficult at first, but I made it work. Even in high school, I had the opportunity, like my senior year, I had the opportunity to go play at random, you know, venues and bars and stuff where bands were playing and they're like, you know, hop on sax. And I was a little, you know, I wasn't the most confident back then because I didn't know how to necessarily improv. It took me a while to listen by ear to pick it up. Um, but you know, I digress. I had a good time still back in high school, but when I got to college and I started playing this punk rock band, um, it was called, the name of the band was called flashback humor. And we were playing like house shows like every weekend. And I really had to like be on top of my game for that. So I was practicing. We recorded our first album, flashback humor, recorded our first album, um, in Mansfield, Ohio. And it was named, uh, Things are beautiful just before they're about to end. I think that was, it was a mouthful of an album name, but it was, it was a fire album name. And to be honest, me personally, I thought it was a fire album name and it was like psychedelic punk rock. Like you could just, you could like, if you were a little buzzed or whatever, or let's say, you know, you, you smoked a little something and you just closed your eyes and you listen, it would put you in a trance, that kind of music. It was fire. We put a lot of extra reverb and delay on the sax to really like kind of ring out between both ears. And if you're listening with headphones, we kind of stereo imaged the, the saxophone and stuff like that. So really cool experience playing with uh, flashback humor. I played... So that Newport show, I ended up playing with Flashback Humor. I got them a spot. And then I ended up having my own little 11-7-2 Reverb Posse little set as well, where we did a couple originals. And, you know, that was really it. And I think I did Hotline Bling saxophone cover because mm. Hotline Bling was f- uh, like fresh on the market that day, that time. So I dropped, a, I played that live and people were digging it. And it was a good time. That's um, great. Yeah, man. Fa- fast forward a little bit. Like we met some more musicians. Uh, and back in uh, 2016, I would say there was a, I, I don't know if you, you guys, you guys might be a little too young, but there was like this guy who went around slashing people 
like he went around it, it was a whole thing they closed the campus down and everything this guy like took out a machete and was went on a knifing spree in 2016 on campus i was in class that day at watts hall and um my uh class was like okay we got all notifications saying you know run fight hide there's uh at the time we didn't know what it was we just got a notification saying there's a shooter on campus so we were just like you know everyone's panicked and so everyone's running around you know manic and everyone told us to stay put SWAT SWAT team came and escorted us that day I remember and um but one thing that really came out of that day was I was in that class and I met a kid named Hamza and Hamza was this uh he was he's Pakistani I'm Indian he's Pakistani you know people Indian, Indian people and Pakistani people I really do feel like we're this almost the same people, you know, aside from the religion and stuff, I really do think we're the same people. And so me and Hamza got along, we talked about our music in that whole span of just sitting in lockdown in this classroom, we shared our music, we talked about, you know, what we aspire to be as musicians. He was studying electrical engineering with me. Um, but we just talked about music and he was telling me he had a mixtape on the way, which I'm still waiting for that mixtape. He still hasn't dropped it. If he watches this podcast, he'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But you know, we uh, we really hit it off and we became really good friends. And uh, I was like, you know, Hamza, you should come hang out with me, Locke and Jackson sometime. And we should just start making music. So, you know, I think we just started like adding people to the collective 1172 music. And um, I had another another friend at the time. His name was Ray, Ray Bunn. So uh, he's actually, he goes by Ray Bunn. That's a stage name too. And uh, I think he handles the underground music, Columbus, Columbus Music Underground, which is actually still happens to this day. He, it sometimes happens in uh, different venues. He usually hosts things at Donato's Basement, which is a music venue right on High Street, actually, right across North Campus. So, uh, you know, Ray also joined the team and we we're just making music and dropping things. And you can still find our page. But, you know, Ray was like, you know, we should we should change the name. And I was like, you know, I agree. Reverb, Posse, uh, 1172 reverb posse just sounds like a mouthful and I don't think it rolls off the tongue nicely. So we were like, you know, we should change, we should drop the 11 and keep 72, but then add, we added the word spectrum and that was Ray's idea. He was like, yo, we have a spectrum of people from different ethnicities and backgrounds. We should just make this 72 spectrum. And, yeah, um, band, right? yeah. And, and, and we kind of just stuck with that. We made a 72 spectrum and we were just like rap hip hop R and B group that also did live shows. We, were, we weren't just dropping stuff on SoundCloud. We were also just doing live shows, too. So whenever we got the chance, I was booking shows for us. You know, we played for M. Coachella a couple of times. We played for, we played at Trism. We performed live at Trism. That was really fun. We did uh, Space Bar. Obviously, we did Newport. That was a while back. Uh, we did a couple, you know, um, Indian events. We did a couple Indian Indian like uh, student association events and Pakistani student association events. And what we did for those events, actually, instead of doing our original rap songs, we just did the uh, Bollywood songs. We did covers of those, but we did them live versions. So we'd have a drummer come in, we'd have a guitarist come in and I would sing or I'd play saxophone. So we really kind of like showed our versatility that we can do these covers for Indian Pakistani Bollywood songs, but we can also do our originals and be a rap group, um, you know, and so like fast forward, I was still like chasing it. Like I was like, okay, I, I think I know I want to make my name Anunto. So back in like 2016, when I first started the group, I was like, you know, I want to make my name Anunto. I think it's very unique. And I kind of want to make a self-independent artist image for myself. Um, so Locke was Locke. He chose his name as Locke. I chose my name as Anunto. And Jackson actually chose his name as Shifi Dre. So he went by the moniker Shifi Dre on SoundCloud and all that stuff. And if any song was produced by him, I'd say produced by Shifi Dre. Um, which I think is Irish, if I'm not mistaken. 
And then Hamza just went by Zam. That was his name. Uh, one cool thing about Hamza is he had a duo at the time with a high school friend of his named Mihir, um, who goes by Parshi the Sun. So Hamza and Mihir had a duo, and that duo was called Salanta. So they're making music on their own. They're producing their own stuff. Mihir, by the way, is an incredible producer. Hamza is also a really good producer, but Mihir was in his bag like all the time, dropping stuff. And uh, Hamza is an amazing freestyler like you could give we would do things where we'd go to shows and i would go out in the crowd with my mic and i'd be and i'd go up to like you know let's say a, a guy or a girl or whoever and i'd be like yo you know say a word say a word and the whole crowd would be quiet she'd say a word the beat would drop and hamza would just start spitting on that word rhyming he'd go for he'd go for like a solid you know like 16 32 bars and then i'd go to another person and choose another word and he'd go off that one and then i would just start spitting words at him while he would just start freestyling Hamza like was he's killer with freestyling and um so we really use that to our advantage um and that really like hyped us up because you know there were other rap groups at the time you know cold collection was another rap group and then I think there was another rap group called gods recognize gods so these guys were all like you know we're all different rap groups R&B groups at the time and um we were all just trying to get a spot on the stage to perform and we were we were good friends with everyone you know there wasn't any kind of like actual rivalry it's just we were cool we actually have a song all three of labels together it was really cool we oh, wow. we that we went on later on i'll go on the detail with that that's that's pretty cool what, what's that, that called um so so we have 11 was well, 72 spectrum and then there's the other two labels were cold collective and uh gods recognize gods grg i don't know too much about where grg and cold collection are they don't really post much um, but I assume they sell their music up and stuff. Uh, one of the main big rappers from Cole Collection was Static Res. He still makes music, um, but he's based out of D.C. now, uh, the DMV area. So that's where he makes most of his music and postings. And then Cole, uh, and then Gods Recognize Gods. Um, I haven't heard any new music from them in a minute. One of their bigger rappers was Bad Ways. Um, but I haven't heard from him in a minute. I, I think Bad Ways moved out of town. Um yeah. But you know, I digress. We, we we were we were just making music, and it was just really fun. So we had Ray Bun, we had Hamza, we had me here, kind of, and all these things. And so anytime we had a live show, Hamza would be like, you know, I want to do some of the I want to do some of the Salanta songs because they were dropping songs like I want to say every few months they were dropping a song, and they were like, yeah, we wanted to kind of bring more attention to our songs as well. And I was like, yeah, hundred percent. At the time, Hamza wasn't dropping things solo; he was dropping things with his duo Salanta. So, you know, we started dropping songs, doing shows. I'm trying to think, what else did we do in 2017? Oh, yeah. So uh, you guys know Threes, the bar, right? Threes um, yeah. on high. So back then in 2016, um, it was called Scarlet and Gray. And it was a really fire music bar that all the musicians across like the town. If you were playing funk, you go there just to go, you know, play for fun. Every Tuesday, they had a jam night. It was ran by Weird Music, Weird Wednesday. But every Tuesday, they had a jam night. You could go there and just bring out whatever instrument. They had a drum kit already set up on stage. You just go and play. And man, sometimes the crowds would be packed. You know, you just have people just there to listen to live music. So from there, I met a lot of cool people. Um, and I, I was also I was still playing a flashback humor, but I also met um, another uh, individual named uh, Andy. And so Andy had a band called Pronto at the time. Pronto was a, you know, a funk, light funk kind of band um that was playing around columbus and stuff and that really got my foot in the door on how to play funk and really get to know like the funk and jazz uh i guess communities of columbus and stuff um but i digress before i even met uh, pronto and started playing with them 
um i got together with the guys at seven two and i was like yo guys we should we should throw a show you know let's 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 do something um so we decided to throw this random uh like big ass party sorry i cursed him i don't know if i'm allowed to curse on the podcast um so we threw this big party at at scarlet and gray which is now formerly you know now it's threes um we charged five bucks a person yet to get in and we were like you know featuring ananto featuring uh seven two uh, eleven seven uh, seven two spectrum featuring uh flashback humor and then i got like random musicians from columbus to just you know fill up the bill and bring their people out and i think it was our first show i was 18 at the time and i think or 19 years old we made i want to say we made 200 dollars, and so i put that in a band fund i gave i gave everyone like everyone involved i gave hamza Locke, and jackson i gave them a cut and then i put the rest in a band fund to use for more shows because like guys we can make this an actual thing like this is how we get our name out this is how people are going to know who we are mm-hmm. and um it was a good show that was a solid show i actually had one of my friends from back in high school when you know back when i was doing crew entertainment in high school i had one of the rappers from that group come out to perform all he came all the way from canton to perform that night so that was really cool too i got to connect with some of my old friends and stuff um so you know going forward we uh, finished up at uh, Scarlet and Gray, and we were riding this high, and it was so good. It was so fun. And um, we were like, we need to do more. We need to make more music. And so we dropped more stuff. And you can still find our stuff. All the 7-2 Spectrum from back in the day is on SoundCloud. Um, it's all on SoundCloud, the stuff that we wanted to keep. Um, so then kind of fast forward, we met with this guy named, uh, I got invited to play a show with Flashback Humor. Um, and it was at this house venue called House of No Name. And we're like, okay, we don't know much about this. It was some random house on Hudson uh, on your way to the uh, 71 interstate. And uh, it was just random house. And in the basement was like this like unfinished basement, but like people would perform like live shows. And everyone in like the music community, DIY music scene of Columbus knew what House of No Name was. And so I didn't know much about it, but I went to go perform with Flashback Humor and I busted on my sax. And it was was a really good time. And people seemed to really enjoy it. and so after that show, I met the owner of the house or the guy, the tenant of the house. And it turns out he's Indian. He's an Indian dude, Punjabi guy. So I'm half Punjabi and half Bengali. And uh, his name was Sandeep Sebi. And Sandeep was like, hey, man, you know, like, what's up? I think up? I might know Sandeep. I might know that. <laughs> oh, no way. He's, he's an old guy. He's a, he's a grown dude, though. This guy's like, dude. he's an Indian guy. He has to be in his, like, 30s now. Oh, never mind. Not 30s. I know. I know. It's even like uh, his mid 20s. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. No, no. I don't. Yeah. No, this guy at that time, you know, like he was. He was all about music, and he was trying to. He was telling me, like, you know, you should do music full time, drop school. But I kind of. I always wanted to kind of drop school and do music full time, but I kind of felt like no, no. Like my dad always told me one thing. He was like, you got to have that paper. You know, after you get the piece of paper, do what you want. But if you got that piece of paper, like that'll get you your your bread if you're ever low. And I was like, you're right. You know that that's that's valid so i uh i i he was like yeah, i remember doing a show and um i right after the show i had to leave and he, i was like you know i gotta go i gotta study for uh physics 1250 final or 12 exam i gotta study for it you know like i gotta go um but sandeep was like okay we'll keep in touch so we stayed t- in touch on facebook and stuff and he's like you know i really want i really want you to carry the next like i want you to carry the torch for indian musicians in columbus because i'm getting old he didn't say that, but I kind of understood the gist of what he was saying. So he was like, look, I run a collective in Columbus called Best of the Underground. 
and uh, there's this art gallery on Hudson and Summit, and it's called Wild Goose Creative. He was like, mm-hmm. I have the keys to this place every third, the third Friday of every month. Why don't you take this? You can reserve a spot and just have a show. And I was like, really? You would give that to me? He's like, yeah, free of charge. You don't have to pay anything. Just, just run a show. He invited me to like a panel at this one Friday, and I went. It was like a civil activism panel, but like I talked about my music and stuff. And um, then he hosted a couple shows there and I performed and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take you up on that offer. Thanks for giving me the offer. So that following uh, summer 2017, uh, I would say in June, we hosted our first uh, first like event after the Scarlet and Gray show, after the, the threes uh, show, threes on high show. Um, and uh, we like were like, OK, you know what, this is going to be our own. We're going to buy our own drinks. We're going to we're going to include drinks in the ticket price. And we're going to like have it where five bucks, unlimited alcohol, come and join us, you know. And so we did that and we got our alcohol somehow, you know, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but we don't do this anymore, obviously. But <laughs> back then we didn't even have a liquor license or anything. We were just saying that whatever to get people in the door and if they're willing to pay, we'll take the money because yeah, yeah, we can yeah. invest that in our music and we'll just keep doing this. So we had a, we, I think made a profit of $600 that night and it was summertime. So campus was dead, but we still managed to get people out. And, um, we had a couple rappers show up. We had a couple, you know, like, uh, we had a couple people like show up. I think the entire crowd was maybe 50 people max, you know, it, it wasn't anything like, it was cool. It was cool to have that at the age of 19. So I performed a couple of new songs off my album, my, my mixtape at the time I was making, it was called same lights. So I co- performed a couple of songs. I had obviously flashback humor for my, the punk rock band I was part of and stuff like that. And I also had, um, at that time I was also playing in Pronto that funk band so i had the one of the guys some of the guys come out to you know come out to the party and just hang out and stuff so it was overall a good time it kind of was crazy like it was kind of surreal we're just performing people having drinks i had one of my friends be the bouncer and like we took his taser so we had we were we were not strapped but we were like ready you know um and i think the money box was what you had (laughs) yeah we were ready with what we had you know and like uh but i didn't think anything bad was going to come out of it I honestly think like we advertised it as it was a music show. And at the bottom, we said unlimited drinks, $5 entry. And, but it was like, we big and big titles that says seven, two spectrum presents best of the underground music collective, you know, with featuring artists, blah, blah, blah. And we always made sure to put seven, two spectrum at the top and stuff. That show was good. And, uh, me and Locke were riding this high and we we're like, yo, this is so cool and stuff. And I don't know. I was really, I was really impressed. And uh, Sandeep Sebi was just like, yo, that was really good that you did that. Like, I'm impressed. You know, you should do this again. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe when the, maybe when the summer, maybe when the school's back in session. So we finished that. We were continuing making songs and stuff and perfecting our craft. And I was still dropping those little saxophone covers. And I was slowly improving on my saxophone playing skills as well. Like, you know, throughout time, just playing and playing. Um, and then I started investing in better equipment. So I got rid of my high school mic and I got, uh, the mic I'm actually using right now. I got an Aston origin mic and I got a nice interface and stuff. So I went out, went all out and got some nice equipment. Um, so fast forward from the Sandeep, from the, uh, wild goose creative show, Sandeep Sebi, you know, he's like, you know, you should do another one. And I was like, yeah, when in due time, um, we move on forward to 2017 fall semester. Okay. So, and then we're like. Indian Student Association is having an event. And I was like, yo, guys, I think we can do a cool event and kind of get our get some traction for that. 
And mind you, I'm doing all this while balancing school. So there was times where I, there's periods in time where I just kind of had to take a break with music to kind of focus on school and get my grades straight. Um, so, you know, we're doing that. And I do the event at the Indian Student Association. But I, will simult- I was also simultaneously planning for an event in November at Wild Goose Creative again with Sandeep. And I was like, yo, man, I'll take it for November. November 17th, I think. We'll do a show. He's like, okay, cool. The place is yours. He gave me the keys. You know, we were set. We're slowly getting the alcohol ready. We're slowly getting the set list ready for our show. We're slowly getting artists together. And we got uh, Static Res from Co Collective to come out. And Static Res has a pretty big following at that time. So we got Co Collective to come out and stuff. And so then we're like, yo, we need to promote a little bit more. We need more people from our side to come out. So we ended up uh, performing. We started, we did the Indian event. And uh, after that, I, perf- I added, I said, you know, I'm glad you guys, we really killed it. We were the only musicians at that event. Everyone was dancing. People were so surprised and like mesmerized by just hearing saxophone playing an Indian song because no one hears that. So I really played that to my advantage and was like, you know, if you guys want to hear more or check out our stuff, we're throwing a huge banger. Like I really hyped it. I sold, I oversold. I was like, mm-hmm. we're throwing a huge banger, huge party. You got to, you got to. I got to, I had to do it that way. So I was like, you know, we're throwing a party, come out, flyers on my Instagram. We actually got a solid amount of followers on our Spectrum page and stuff. And uh, I didn't know who was going to come. So fast forward a week later, we're throwing the party. It's on a Friday, you know, and always, and my, this is a little side note, always when we're throwing a party, I have a freaking lab report due that night. <laughs> I always put off the lab report to the last minute. So you can always catch me in the back of the venue right before people are coming in, just submitting a lab report. And I was like, man, what a life, what a life, bro. This is just ridiculous. But, you know, I, uh, I, I submitted my lab report. I remember there'd be times where people are performing. I'm still doing a lab report. It was just ridiculous. But I digress. So, you know, we have people coming in and stuff and, you know, people show up fashionably late. So I had like an opener play. I had a couple bands open up. I think Soul Spectrum was still performing at the time. So they were, they did a set as well. Um, big crowd at that. We had already, I think I would say like a quarter of the night and we had 25 people in and that's like a first quarter. Second half shows up and uh, we have a, we have the place packed at like 80 people. We've already made more our return back on the alcohol and we're running out of alcohol. And we're like, okay, well, we need to do something about this. So we uh, we ended up like going out to Beeline to go get more alcohol, you know, because we had to refill and stuff. I was like running back and forth from the bar back to like the bar, back to the stage, announcing the next artist, making sure how much like money we're getting back on, uh, you know, how are we getting our cash right and making sure everything's good with the bouncer and stuff. So you know, we're doing all this thing, we're doing all these things. And then by the time it's time for 7-2 Spectrum to take the stage, Static Res had a really good set, by the way, like he had people there jumping up and down. It was, uh, there's a, there's actually a little highlight video from that night on the Spectrum page. And you can see how packed that place was just from his set alone. Um, But, you know, we did our set. And when our set came, bro, like people were pouring in. And at this point, uh, like, it was packed, like wall to wall like back and forth from the stage to the back of the uh, venue to like the right and the left of the walls. This place was packed. And I was like, this is incredible. I can't believe we have so many people out like people. And I was just Snapchatting. I was on cloud nine. I was just showing it to everyone. Like, yo, look what we accomplished, blah, blah, blah. And then we had our set. People were living, loving it. You know, like it was just, it was cool to rap. And like, actually it's crazy. The Indian community actually pulled up for that event. Like people from the Indian show actually pulled up. Like a lot of them pulled up and I was like, yes, that's exactly what we need. And so like, Hamza was performing. Hamza did a freestyle session. It was so cool. It was so stellar. 
And um, so we did that, you know, checked with the bouncer, my friend. I was like, you know, how much, how many people did we get? We made over a grand that night. Obviously, we paid off the venue. We paid off the drinks. I paid off all the bands, paid off my guys. And uh, the rest went to the band fund. And so, you know, we... We were really happy about that. And so then we did, and then I think Cold Collective was like, we want to host one. So like two months later, we did it again and we had it even more packed. And then um, we did one more final so this one. this is you actually like physically seeing your growth. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's like the physical, physical representation of what happens, the physical manifestation of what happens when we just keep doing it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, fast forward to 2018, we do one final show while we're in college. And it was at like we, that we were hosting and it was going to be uh, at the wild goose again. And they were shutting down. Actually, they were moving locations. So they're like, okay, well, we'll finish. We'll do this last one with you guys. So we were, uh, we were, we were again set up for that show and stuff. And there was, you know, other groups that were also trying to do what we were doing. I clearly remember a couple of groups. I would not saying cold collective and, and gods recognize gods. Those are guys are rap labels, but you had other like music, committees or groups that were trying to mimic our parties and the amount of people we were bringing and stuff like that. And, um, but like, to tell you the truth, and I'm not trying to sound cocky. I don't think anyone was able to do it the way we were able to do it, to be honest, just with the connections we had, the space that we had and, uh, you know, just our personalities, we were just able to bring people in. And I remember we would like go on high street on Friday and Saturday night, you know, when people are going on drinking and just hand people, hand drunk people flyers, tell them to just come to our show next week, next week. We were like those guys just handing out pamphlets on the side of the street. That's, that was us, you know, and we street were team. We, we street team. We would have like a whole unit of like six, seven people. We would go out with flyers. Obviously we were dressed for the occasion. You know, we dress good. We would look clean so people wouldn't just avoid us, you know, but we would hand flyers and do all that stuff. And it was like a really, we were, we were hungry. And um, so we do this show. And um, at that time, we were like, you know, we should probably change our name a little bit. Um, we were kind of getting into the fact of kind of incorporating live elements into our sound that we were performing on stage. So no longer were we trying to just rely on the backing track of a beat on, on speakers, you know. We wanted to kind of have the sax and live keyboard. And so I kind of met, I met a friend named Arshad, who, who's one of my best friends. And he's still playing, he still plays in my band. And he's on a couple of my tracks from my new album. So our shot plays keyboard and he was like, yeah, I'll do backup vocals and play keyboard for you. And so we were on stage and we did the show and stuff. And those photos are up. And uh, that was our most packed show we ever had. We sold 200 tickets and we did pre-sale that time. We were like, you know what? We're going to do pre-sale tickets, screw it. And we're going to up the price. So $12 at the door, $8 online. People showed up, people showed up. They had a good time. And you know, if they just came for the drinks, I don't really care because at the end of the day, they actually sat through that set and listened to our music and we got people to know who we were, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's all that really mattered to me is I want people to know that we have, we have the ability to make quality music for you guys, you know, is this Um, spring of 2018 or fall? uh, This is February of 2018. So spring semester. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I was a, I was a fourth year at the time. And so we were like, yo, this is like killer. You know, we're doing it. We we were riding this high. It was a great show. It was a really fantastic show. We had a professional photographers come out. We had professional videographers come out for it to like, you know, um, uh, showcase the thing so we could put it on our like Instagrams and our social media and stuff. And we had, uh, we had this vlogger 
at the time he's still he vlogs on youtube he's a really good editor his name he went by the name of jay montage so jay montage would edit our video like edit these little cool videos for us that we could post on our instagram shout out to him he did a really good job with those videos they really hyped up our name um and you know aside so that was our last show that we did like by ourselves um in college and so we were kind of over that and we were like okay you know this was great and we had a dj we actually had a whole dj on stage who was there all the time the whole time just putting the swag horn and whatever whenever we needed to to get people hyped up and um you know crowd engagement is one thing i really learned doing these shows i learned how to uh you know make sure the crowd is always amped make sure that they're always engaged make that they're listening if things seem quiet you got to get on the mic and you got to say yo you're having a good time say like hell yeah and then you would hear how many people heard that because that response was everything people would be screaming people would be like clearly they were obviously like some of them were intoxicated but like it was just it was like a rager. yeah they're in it and it was like a rager they were going hard and so um you know met a lot of cool people had a lot of cool like people do like sound for us i used to have this friend of mine his name was andy karanja he he uh he did sound for our our shows for some time he did a good job with that Locke ended up taking over sound shout out to juni from cold collection he was uh he's a really good mixing engineer and i learned a lot from him he was actually president of music producers club back when i joined in 2016 and we became really good friends we actually have a song together on my last album and that song actually was one of my first songs that kind of catapulted me into like making really high quality stuff for Spotify and Apple Music. He taught me how to do that. Um, but yeah, Junie would kind of mix sometimes too. And it was just a really good time. So, you know, we did that show. We were writing out this high. That's around the time we switched our name to Soul Spectrum because we were like, you know, we should really like kind of, maybe we, we were thinking about morphing the two. At that time, Salanta and 72 Spectrum were still doing uh, their separate sets. Slanta was that duo with Hamza and me here that I was mentioning about earlier. Um, so, you know, but going on forward, we decided like, it was my, it was my fifth year, my final year of college. I was like, you know, I'm going to do some more shows, but I want to, I want a full band this time. You know, I was making songs for my album and I was like, we can do, and I just made my first song with Junie, the guy I mentioned like two minutes ago. Um, it's called voicemails. It's like a, it's, it's a catchy R and B tune that I made back in 2018. I didn't drop it till 2020 um, because I wanted to drop it with the full album. But I was like, you know, um, we could, I could transform this from just using backing tracks to like a full band. We did one more show and that show was at Trism, which no longer exists. That, 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 that's just a bar that doesn't happen. It's actually at the corner. It's right in front of uh, the plaza mm -hmm. and um, around that area, you know, the movie gateway area district. So I, uh, I did a show, my final show with the with the group there. It was a rager. We actually had our very first mosh pit at Trism. It was crazy. And we did a song that was Slanta's song, but me here wasn't there. The other half of the duo wasn't there. So I did his I did like partially part of it with Hamza on on the hook and stuff. But we got so many people hyped. We got a we had a mosh pit rager. People are jumping, bumping into each other and stuff. And uh, believe it or not, the hook of the song just goes, I just study all day. I just study all day. That's That was literally it. We were just repeating, I just study all day. We were trying to, me here and Hamza were trying to talk about how they study all day to make, but they're making music. They were trying to talk about what they do all day, you know? And me here and Hamza are also Indian, like Hamza's Indian, uh, Hamza's Pakistani Indian and me here is Indian. So like we were all brown guys and this is what we grew up with, just studying, 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 being that's studious. A, that's great. So that, that leads to a question I had. 
what did you learn being a booker, being a student at the same time, being a uh, being an artist in a, in different bands, collabing with a bunch of people? What did you learn, and and how were you able to balance schoolwork with all that? So I will say, you know, I did kind of foreshadow it. I was in my fifth year, so I took five years to graduate, and you know, I did electrical engineering. I wouldn't say it's the most difficult discipline, but it's definitely not easy. And, you know, there are definitely kids who, when I was in school, they were, they, they were studious, you know, top of the class, and they finished in four years. But I, you know, but judging on what I just, you know, told you guys, I did, I was really invested in my music as well. And I really, I, obviously, I had a long way to go. I don't even think my sound back then was what I wanted to be what it is today. But I had a long way to go. And I just knew, like, this is what's going to teach me all that. And maybe I thought at that time, I was breaking boundaries, like barriers. But Everything was a learning yeah, I think experience. That's very impressive, like going through, uh, putting out sets, working with you, other bro. bands, working all that music, and doing electrical engineering. I think doing that for five years is impressive alone, because like people who are graduating out of four years doing like most engineering, they are doing nothing but studying, studying. Yes, studying, sir. Studying, yes, studying. sir. Like, yeah. I mean, what's your what's your chorus was on that one song? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I just study all day. Yeah, I'm great. That's literally how yeah. that's that's how the song is, and that's how it really was, bro. And Hamza was Hamza was studious. I would have to learn from him and Locke because they were Locke was also in electrical engineering. Jackson ended up doing uh, GIS, geographical information systems. But you know, I would see Locke and Hamza, and they were like I think half a semester ahead of me. So, but like I'd be like, okay, you know, I, I still need to be on my school. Like those guys really taught me to stay dedicated to my school because I could have definitely gone astray and just gone straight to music at plenty of times. So I credit them for keeping me in check because um, it was tough. Um, so you know. There was never a time where like, I, I would say like, you know, I got my bad grades at times. And obviously with those kind of bad grades, I felt I it would put me in a depression. I'd be so upset. I'd be like, damn, what the hell am I doing here? I'm screwing up in college. Like, and it really just taught me like, I gotta, I gotta discipline myself better. Right. Um, let's go ahead and talk about where that led you. What, what, yeah. what job are you reaching for right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, right now it's crazy from where I am to like where I was. I was just a kid making music and I was just in college, you know, just I was passing classes, you know, mind you. But passing it wasn't like, you know, flying colors. I wasn't necessarily yeah. always flying colors until later on. Um, I ended up getting an internship in 2019 of the summer. So that was a little bit after our, a little, right before our TRISM show, actually. Our, actually, right after our TRISM show. Um, so I got an internship that summer. I started like my, my grades were getting better. I, I would say my grades like got really good around like 2018. That's back when I, that's when I got it. When I passed the weed out classes and I got into my actual major of electrical engineering, that's when it was kind of downhill. It was like, okay, you know, these are classes. This is what, this is what electrical engineering is all about. And that really interested me. But when you're like trying to get through physics and calculus too, and chemistry, mm -hmm. And all those things, it's just like, okay, these are just weed out classes that they're just trying to make you fail to see who's got, who's got the mental strength to get through these classes, you know? Um, but, you know, electrical engineering was actually nice, and I actually enjoyed it. And then um, moving forward, you know, uh, I did the internship, and I actually was, I was also interested in cars, and I really wanted to build a project car. And so with my internship money, I bought a project uh, 
1978 Datsun 280Z, which is like the old school Nissan Z. A badass car, man. Yes, I, was, I was also really excited to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I always been interested in cars. You know, in high school, I had a Subi and I was a Subaru, and I was like, oh, you know, I love cars. I, I want a modern. I got an exhaust from a Subaru, you know, the basic stuff. But when I got this project car, my parents were so mad at me. They're like, oh, you just wasted, <laughs> you wasted 10 grand on this this piece of crap like what the heck it's a junker i was like mom you don't know the potential but this car is going to be worth a lot of money and that whole summer like i was internship my internship was 7 a.m to 3 p.m every day i was an engineering intern at a can factory called crown holdings and we made cans a million cans a day and so we'd have these gigantic hydraulic presses that would be pressing aluminum sheets and out would come cans for coke sprite pepsi you know cat food dog food all those things so, you know, after I was done with my shift, I'd be going, I'd come straight home. My friend from high school would meet me at my crib and my parents' house, and we would just work on this car. We got it running nicely. I got it tuned. We got the electrical system working. Um, we trimmed up the, the fenders a little bit to kind of put the wide body kit nicely. We adjusted the coilover springs. The car already came stanced, but it wasn't running at all. Uh, like it would it would it would shut off like and the electrical system didn't work and that was kind of my forte understanding how things would work you know lighting system brakes mm -hmm. indicators so is, this, is this first project uh is this your first project yeah is yeah technically awesome? my and technically this, my first project yeah and uh so you were learning on this car pretty much mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow. and yeah. who were you working with so I was working with my friend Nick Carr. So Nick, it's funny his last name is Carr, but he's uh one of my childhood Nick friends. Nick Carr. Yeah, Nick Carr. Yeah. Is his brother Nabanu? No, no. Okay, okay. I was about to say, oh my goodness, bro, Nick Carr. No, Nick Carr. He lives in Columbus right now. He's an engineer as well. Oh, real damn no! Wow, that's wow, that's funny. People's names, man. Yeah, this guy's name is Nick Carr, but he actually just moved to Columbus too. It's funny. I, I was like, oh, maybe you do know him. Nah, um, Nick is uh, Nick. Nick works in IT and networking. Um, so a little bit about him. But uh, you know, he went to University of Akron, but he at that time was still in school too. But he was taking, I think, a summer semester. But every day after class, he just come over and hang with me, and we work on this car. We got it running. We put a new carburetor system. It came with like this big old Chevrolet carburetor. We put a side draft uh, triple Webers on it. Got a new custom exhaust. Put an active exhaust on so I can make it quiet when I want to. I uh, put you know. Uh, LED off-roading Jeep headlights so people could see me at night. Changed out the LED system in the back so we have LED tails as well, tail lights as well. Um, put a removable steering wheel. We put a Android Auto CarPlay heads-up display in that car so that wow. we could, uh, you know, have like navigation GPS in a freaking 1978 car because I drove it everywhere. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just go the extra mile. And we put a backup camera on the car too. We drilled a hole <laughs> and we put a backup camera and I was about to do blind spot detection, but I was like, no, that's just, I don't need to do all that. I'm not driving the car like that, you know? Um, but we put back, we would put a backup camera and stuff. And I was like, okay, this car is fine. This, this car is fire, you know? And we were driving to car shows and showing it off. And that kind of blew up my Instagram a little bit more. People were following me on my Instagram because of my car. I was vlogging every day. I have in my highlights on my Instagram, you can watch my entire build. I build it and I, I show exactly how I built it and stuff. So we did it all that stuff. It is a real mean machine. Man. Thank you, bro. I, I love that car. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, I, uh, I, for the color inspiration, like I found like this toy car. Actually, it's, it's in my bedroom, but I found this toy car and it, it was like a, it was like this nice red. And I was like, oh man, I, it was, it was either going to be red, blue, or it was going to be a nice British racing green. And I was like, I saw this toy car. And I was like, man, this is exactly how I want my car to be. So I took it to a paint shop and most paint shops are charging me like, 15 grand 
and this this paint shop was like we'll charge you seven grand to fix rust and do the paint and i was like perfect but the catch was they'll have to keep the car for a solid couple months and i was like that's fine mm. you know it's getting cold now i can't drive the car because it didn't have ac or heating um so I was like, that's fine. You know, you do your thing. I'm going to be going to school in Columbus anyways. So I left. I went back to Columbus and they kept the car in their possession. When I got the car back, they color matched it to the toy car so well. And, you know, you can see it on my Instagram and stuff, but the paint is flawless. And, you know, I'm not driving it. I'm not driving it like daily driving or anything. It's just a car show, a show car now. You know, I just take it to car shows, take it maybe for an evening drive. You know, if I back then I was dating a girl, so I would just take her and out. We she and I would just go for a drive or something like that. It was just it was a nice casual cruiser. Um, but it was mean and it, it drives like a race car. I could take it to the track if I needed to. Um, we put a rear there's a rear diff in there that's worth that's va like the rear diff is rated for like a thousand horsepower. So if I do want to change up that engine, I definitely can do it and it'll it'll be able to handle that power. But I have the original numbers matching, matching engine and transmission in that car right now. And I think that's where the value is really is the fact that I have the numbers matching block and trans. Um, but you know, that was, that was really cool. That project really boosted my confidence that, you know, I can be an engineer. Like I can, I can build things before that. I wasn't sure I was kind of lost. Like I loved music and I liked in the thought of engineering, but I didn't know what I wanted to be, you know, like I, I didn't know exactly like what I wanted. And for uh, career-wise, what's your next step in engineering? Yeah, so I, I worked, after I graduated, I worked two years as a robotics engineer at Lincoln Electric. Um, so, you know, designed robots and stuff like that. And fingers crossed, I'm, I've just finished up the whole interview process and I'm waiting for a written offer now. But, um, you know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm hopefully going to be going to Tesla here very soon to go work as a robotics engineer Good luck, there. Man. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping for it. And uh, if it does, if it does work out, and I don't know when this vlog is going to come out, but I should be getting a decision here soon. If it does come out that it's you know good and stuff, I'll be moving to Austin, Texas. So that'll be really that'll be really cool for me. New city and stuff, music city. So I get to share my music with more people and stuff, and form a new band and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, I worked I worked my ass off. I would say the last two years were really tough. When you graduate from college, it is a tough transition going to like you know, uh, real life and stuff like that. Cause you're no longer in school. You're no longer seeing your friends every day. There's no RPAC. There's no eating dining hall. There's none of that. You know, it's just, you go to work, you come home, you got the rest of your time to yourself. And being in the environment I was in, I was in a production environment. We we're making robots, custom cells for companies that like, you know, let's say you want to pick up a thing and move it somewhere else. You know, we make the robots for that. We program the robots. We design the panels for it and all that stuff. Um, so I learned a lot on that job because that wasn't what I was, my discipline of electrical engineering was actually in semiconductors. It was not in controls and high voltage, low voltage panel design and wiring and circuit analysis. So I learned a lot on the job. And through that, I got the experience I needed to really kind of catapult myself to the next step, which hopefully is going to be Tesla if that works out. But, you know, and if it doesn't, I'm not too upset because honestly, I feel like this time would be valuable for me to just make music. I feel like I've gotten my two years experience. I know I led a couple uh, major projects, uh, one of them being a, 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 piston, a Corvette piston robot. Pretty much what it does is it picks up uh, aluminum pancakes and it puts it in a press and the press will press down on the pancake and out comes a finished piston for the new Corvette. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that was a really, that was a really cool time making that project. And, you know, we had a deadline, so I dealt, you know, I had the whole thing, project managers dealing with that, working with the customer. And uh, the customer loved the project and we ended up selling the robot and stuff. So that was a really cool project I got to work on. And I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for the people at Lincoln Electric to give me that shot 
to to do all that and work work through all that stuff. So I really appreciated that. And I really was able to take that knowledge to the next level. And so, you know, the interview process at Tesla and stuff was pretty rigorous. You know, they put me through three hours and stuff, but it was uh it was it was good. And I would say the work I did at Lincoln Electric prepared me for that. Um, but you know what I would say the most is you know internships are key. Internships and working through an actual job that's your key. To, and you got to understand. There's nights where I'd stay really late at the office, and you just got to deal with it. You know that's just how life it is. Life is, and that's just how you got to You got to stay dedicated. But I will say when I worked uh, when I was working at Lincoln Electric, it really kind of was tough to balance uh, engineering and music. I really wanted my music, but I also wanted, I needed to hit the gym because, you know, I wanted to stay sane for myself too. You know, it's really good for my mind to hit the gym. It keeps me focused. And um, so I, uh, I only, I released very, I released very seldomly uh, when I was working at Lincoln Electric. I dropped maybe two singles. And then uh, slowly after I left, that's when I was able to really focus on my album. So this new album I'm releasing, I've been able to release a song once a month. Uh, I've released four single. I have a fourth single coming off this album, and then the al- album's going to be dropping in January. And that album's called Clocked Out. It just because look you know, out for that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, and Clocked Out just because you know I left the job and stuff. I just wanted to name it Clocked Out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I worked really hard on trying to balance those two things. But I would say the time away from working has really been able to let me excel in my music and take control of that. Um, you know, going back to college a little bit, we we really I was really grinding for it. Um, trying to show people what we can do with a live band sound and try to mix R&B, hip hop with Bollywood and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, your inspirations through all these different genres because yeah, that, that that's how we um, met. We were talking, uh, a little connection on our favorite artist, Kendrick Lamar. That is your favorite artist, right? yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, and, sir. And also, one thing, uh, really, well, go ahead, Alex. What you- yeah, what's up, man? Yeah, I just don't want to lose this section of it or this part of your story. Uh, let's talk about the collective real quick. So, all, like all three of these, you know, conglomerates or whatever you want to call them, music, yeah. <laughs> music groups is like the "We Are the World" of Columbus music. I would love to hear a little bit about how that came about, and then we could yeah. go, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we I got to know all the rappers from these groups: Bad Ways from Gods Recognize Gods, Static Res and Juni from. Uh, from a cold collective and you know david darko was all from cold collective and we were like you know we could we could do some things grg hosted an event they invited us to co perform so the feeling was mutual we invited cold collection and grg to come perform at our events we perform at cold collective events and grg would also invite us to come perform at their events like it was just a very collective thing Locke was also you know and i was getting us events at the indian community and then Locke was he's chinese so he got us events in some of the uh chinese student events and stuff like that so the trism show was actually part of, I think, a Chinese student association event. So we were really tapping into all our, like we were really using our ethnicities to our advantage and trying to really hone in on that along with making these alliances with the other music groups of Columbus. And, you know, obviously I still go jam at the music clubs. So I'd be meeting new people every day with my sax and stuff and they'd get to know who I am. Um, and that's really, I directed everyone just to my Instagram. That's where I direct everyone from my Dotson. That's where I direct everyone from my music. It's just check out my Instagram. It has everything you want to know about my music in my car, really, you know. Um, and that's really what I, what, I, what I wanted to showcase to the world. Um, but, you know, when I got to know these bands, these groups and stuff, we were like, you know, we should make a song together, all three of us. I think that would really be cool to show that this isn't a rivalry. This isn't, no, this isn't like, you know, Tupac versus Biggie type stuff. This is just, we're just, we're just happy to make music. And so uh, we made one song, it's on SoundCloud only, it's called Sleepwalking, and it's with 
Seven Two Spectrum, uh, Cold Collective, and Gods, and one rapper from Gods recognized Gods, A Bad Ways. And so we all were on the song. I think it's a featuring total of like, I don't know, maybe six artists and stuff. And we had another art, we have another rapper. His name's Javon. He's actually part of Seven Two Spectrum as well. When I was working at Best Buy, I worked a Best Buy job in 2017, summer semester, just to, you know, pay bills and stuff like that. And um, so I learned how to, you know, customer service. I was working in the phones department, but Javon was my peer. He was teaching me how the ropes and stuff. But he and I really liked music. And he was like, yeah, I record. I have my own group. And I said, okay, where? You should join my group. So he was actually on one of my songs, my very first mixtape. He performed with us all those years that we were performing he performed with all the shows and he's actually i'm my song dropping in january uh, or sorry december 16th i have a song called left me to dry dropping december 16th and uh, javon is the featuring artist on that we just wrapped up the music video last week we shot that music video here and we shot the other half at uh an indian restaurant called dosa corner i want to kind of include the indian community a little bit more in the music so i asked him you know would you guys mind if we just shot at your indian restaurant i think it'd be really cool to kind of have a play on like my culture and show that we can kind of be rappers in that scene. You'll see the music video, but we kind of had it where like all the boys are sitting at a table having this like big old like Don super executive kind of meeting. And in the middle is this giant Indian dish right in the middle. And we're like just having this meeting, talking about money, talking about, you know, the bread and stuff. But like we had the Indian food in the center. So it was really cool to show that. Um, so that music is video is releasing. Your first music videos? Uh, that is my second like professional music video and that one's dropping december 16th but my first professional music video was actually uh for a song uh my first song off this album it's already released it's called yeah that's her i i uh went all out on this music video shout out to brad i think that's the one i saw yeah yeah oh yeah i was playing sax and stuff i had a red saxophone mm -hmm. yeah i um so like i bought this red saxophone recently i was like you know i want to treat myself i was working my job my big boy job and i was like i want to buy myself a nice sax so I bought a really nice saxophone for myself. And I was like, let's showcase in a music video for my new song. Uh, yeah, that's her. And it was about my girlfriend at the time. So I wrote it for her. That's her in the music video. And so it was just a really fun time. Shout out to Brad. He, uh, he uh, helped me shoot the whole thing. He's a very, re he's a really talented videographer. And, uh, you know, you can go check out his stuff. You know, he goes by Bradley on Instagram. He uh, does, I think he's done videography for like actual like prof professional artists as well. Like that actually come and perform at like maybe the shot or something. But he did this, he was his first time doing a music video. And he's like, yeah, we could do it for sure. We chose locations. We shot at the uh, chemical American, so American Chemical Society's garage at OSU. We shot at, um, uh, we shot at some like thrift store on campus. We shot at um, a meadery called Brothers Drake. Shout out to Brothers Drake. It's a, one of the bar, one of the places I go to go play music every Wednesday for jazz night. Um, I play saxophone there. You can come catch me there. I also play there on Thursdays for soul night sometimes. So they were really, uh, really happy to let us, they were more than happy to let us uh, you know, shoot our music video there. So we shot a whole scene there. And then we actually took it a step further and we hosted a music re music video release party at their venue too. And uh, we had a solid maybe 80 people come out to that. So that was really cool to just kind of have it. It was a like kickback low key thing, but we got a good amount of traction for people to come out to that. Um, so, you know, we, we did that music video, we did this music video and we were, did, we did some like, you know, smaller production music videos in college, but they weren't up to this caliber, what we, what we're doing now, you know, um, I just kind of really want to show that quality can, quality can be matched, not only in the audio sense, but also in video sense, like people can realize this isn't for fun. We're not doing this for fun. I, I really want to show that we can do this. Um, you know, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now, but going back to that collective stuff, that's, that's what we were on back then. And obviously, you know, 
artists kind of changed direction and some of the artists kind of, you know, died down a little bit. And I don't hear too much from God's Recognized, God's Are Cool Collective, but I hear some stuff from Static. I've, I am planning to drop a featured song with him soon. So I'm still in touch with those guys, but. And it's cool just to have that moment. Like, yes, you guys have, you know, you guys did uh, venues together. You guys had a lot of good moments. So to come to, to bring it all together in one good, like, you know, you know, song on SoundCloud is amazing. So thank you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and honestly, Locke produced, shout out to Locke. He produced the whole beat. Um, it's it's under his name and it's featuring all of us. But I think uh, if you listen to it, it's actually a really good song. I'm a little bummed out. We took it, Lock took it down to off Spotify, but it's still on SoundCloud. You guys should check it out. Um, I'll send you guys a link later. You guys would like it. Right. Yeah, um, please do. Yeah, yeah. Hums is on it too. Javon's on it. I'm on it. Static, uh, not Static's not on it. Uh, David Darko from Co Collective's on it. And Bad Ways from God's Recognized Gods is on it. So I think it was a good song. Oh, I think it's a really good song. Um, so yeah, man, you know, like that's, that was that whole, that was all that chapter and stuff. But one last thing that we were able to accomplish, which I'm really proud of the boys that we did. Um, we got to open up for Playboy Cardi back in 2019. Yeah, we were, we were. Whoa, was that, that TikTok thing? The, like, yes. The yeah. The, uh, our, yeah. The, what is it? The music club. What? There. You were oh, there. Man. Yeah. 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 We, um. So it was like a whole voting system. You had to get people to vote for you. And we got the most votes. We had the entire electrical engineering oh, student man. faculty vote for us. We had everyone vote for us. We killed it with the votes. Um, and then we were trying to offer this new sound. So I had my guitarist from Flashback Humor, the punk rock band. He joined us on bass. We had me here with Crazy Production. I had myself on saxophone. I was like, I'm going to bust out the sax. I'm going to show these guys. If we're going all out, we're going to go all out. So I busted sax, we had a live bassist, we did study all day, you know, I had one of my, I did a song that I only wrote specifically for this event. I wanted a song where I can get people to shake, you know, shake bangers their hands only. in the air. It was a bangers yeah. only. Yeah. And um, it was like a West Coast love type song, you know, West Coast ice cube type beat. And I was just trying to just, you know, oh, just have people sing to it and stuff and dance. And I got the crowd going, but the problem was they had us go at like 4.30 PM when people were still in class. And I was like, okay, well, you know, what do we do with this? The whole thing was we were going against two other artists. There was another artist named Zanel and another artist named Lo Glizzy. These guys, Lo Glizzy was a rapper, Zanel was a singer. And they had these celebrity judges come out to judge us. And so I, I don't I don't remember where these celebrity judges were for. I think these guys were a big in BET and stuff like that. But they were there. They were listening to us. So, uh, you know, this whole thing was uh, produced and like put up by Amazon Workspace, AWS, they hosted this whole event. So they got these celebrity judges to come on, listen to us. And so after we did our performance and Lo Glizzy did his performance and Zanel did his performance and they judged us. And unfortunately we didn't win still, we didn't win. Lo Glizzy won, shout out to Lo Glizzy. I'm, I'm happy for him, he got to do that. And um, so he went ahead and uh, right before Playboy Cardi performs, whoever wins out of that collective trio he they get to go right right before Playboy Cardi so like at eleven or whatever when he went on I think he went on at like ten or eight p.m. nine p.m. maybe. Low Glizzy went. I remember that he, he came on real late. I yeah, he that. went on real late, and Low Glizzy went on right before him for like one song, you know. And we already had our like they were they told us in advance like you know you should have your song ready in advance whatever like you. Uh, they're like, whatever, whatever song you're ready, want to play on the Playboy Cardi stage, be ready with that song. So we already had our song ready and picked out. We were ready to go do this, you know? And um, so we ended up, uh, we ended up getting it all ready and performed, but unfortunately we didn't win, like I said, but Lo Glizzy got to do it. And it was cool to see that 
uh, after that event, you know, we still celebrate it because we were just so happy that we got that far to actually be mm-hmm. on that stage. Because I kid you not, like the, the next following, like t- two months that proceeded after that, like people knew who I, people were coming up to me like, oh, I saw you there performing. People came to me, RPAC, I, I know who you are. You know, I saw you performing. You did a great job. Nice, nice, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was nice to have that recognition a little bit and kind of uh, project the music. So uh, slowly after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to release a solo album. That 2019 fall semester, then I was like, I'm gonna make a song. I'm gonna make an al- a seven track album. Dropped it in 2020 of May, and uh, that really kind of set my music apart from what I was making in 2016. Production was on point. I was actually getting these songs professionally mixed. I was prof- I was recording in an actual studio booth, and I was like, you know, I and I learned how to mix my voice. I learned how to pitch correct myself properly, and I perfected my singing a little bit more. Um, so I was really trying to like hone in on that craft. So I dropped that album. That album's called Sovereign State. I dropped that in May of 2020. Um, my song Voicemails, which is with Junie from Cold Collective, that song did really well. Um, and then slowly after I dropped another song called Sometimes with Me Here. That song also did really well. Those two songs are on Spotify. You can check them out. Apple Music, Spotify, you know, whatever. Um, and then I shot like little, you know, 30 second promos for Instagram and stuff. And I actually... Uh, message three is above high and they let me shoot part of that promo video at their bar um this was i want to say april of 2019 they let me shoot or yeah yeah april of 2019 no 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 sorry man april of 2020 i think somewhere around there they let me shoot and it was really cool to do that and um you know i was really thankful that they let me do that because it was, it was just nice to be able to put more local businesses in it and that's kind of a recurring theme i try to put in my music videos while i'm here in columbus is if i can if i can promote the local columbus scene with it that'd be good because then it'd be like okay you know like i'm from columbus i want to rep the city you know and uh, rep the businesses that that put musicians on and stuff like that. So it's cool. I did get to perform at Threes one time too um, last year in 2021 in November. That was cool. You know, it was just a little show to promote a show that we were doing afterwards. We actually did a big major show in November 2021 at the Art Gallery Wild Goose Creative again. And um, it was after graduation. So we were getting new people to come out. And that time we actually got people not in the college community scene, but like more so just Columbus locals who just wanted to come listen to live music. Everyone came out. We had a band from Tennessee come perform. Uh, my band performed last. We had a great show. I have a highlight reel from that video too. I think we had a solid 150 people come out for that show. So it was it was a nice show. That was good. Um, but slowly after that, I kind of realized I wanted to focus on creating my craft a little bit more. So I dedicated to making my next album. So I'm working on my album Clocked Out now, which I hope to release in January. And then I have plans to release maybe summer or fall of 2023. I'm dropping an R&B album, like, you know, Bryson Tiller Trap Soul type stuff. I have a whole album dedicated to that stuff. So I'll be dropping that. Um, I guess the only thing I kind of missed was in 2020, uh, when COVID, right before, sorry, 2019, right before COVID, um, I decided to like create a band, you know? So I got bassist, I got a bassist and a drummer and guitarist, all these guys from different bands who I was like, hey man, you know, do you guys want to just play a set with me really quick. It'd be like a 45 minute set next week. Then I started finding people where act- these guys were actually enjoying the music we were playing. So then I got some guys who were dedicated to just stay in the band. So I was like, okay, we're gonna switch and make Soul Spectrum not just a rap R&B collective, but also a band. And so I got a dedicated guitarist, got a dedicated bassist, got a dedicated drummer. Uh, Arshad, my singer slash keyboard player, he's in there too. 
Um, so, you know, shout out to those guys. These guys are killing it. These guys are dedicated. We meet every Tuesday for band practice. You know, we're doing shows all the time at like house shows, venue shows, you know, where we can get a chance to perform. We're performing to get our name out there. Um, and so back when, in our early days of Soul Spectrum, we performed, we performed at a uh, Cafe Kerouac and, you know, um, some house shows. We performed at a frat house winter formal. That was, that was crazy. Cause you know, that, that frat house was get, was packed. And just to be able to play that show was, was surreal. That was another like, you know, banger type night, which was just fun. We were riding off that high for a long time. So, um, you know, overall I'm, I'm really, I'm really like pleased with the progress we made. If you look back on it, honestly, like from where I've come to where I am now and making all these connections in the band. And I still feel like, you know, the job isn't done yet, you know, I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to work at the internship and graduate from OSU with an electrical engineering degree and work the Lincoln Electric job. And hopefully I get this Tesla gig too, you know. It's great to be able to work, to get these opportunities. And I guess the only thing I can say is it just takes dedication to do it. Even Ooh. there's days where like, you know, and I, I go to the gym every day. I try to go to the, almost every day. The Sundays are my rest day. But I go because that's the only thing that keeps me sane when I'm getting overwhelmed with so much work. And then I come home to try to finish a song for the album or something. I'm like, okay, well, I need to go someplace where I can just turn off my phone and just kind of do me. And that's the gym. So I just go there. And that's actually where uh, me and Corey met. We met in the sauna. So yeah, that's like a, one of my places mm -hmm. I go to all the time is the sauna because that's just that's just a very relaxing spot for me over there. But yeah, man, I uh, it's it's been a long journey, but I feel like job's not done. Job's not finished in the wise words. It's never Kobe done, Bryant. is it? It's yeah. never done, you know, so we got to keep mm -hmm. going. That's great. Well, let's yeah, go ahead. I had to, and talk I had to about get Corey Paul. on uh, Kobe. Kobe uh, Corey never knew about Kobe. <laughs> Whoa, where the hell? Kobe said never knew about Kobe. I ain't damn. <laughs> I, I didn't know about Kobe. I, <laughs> I had to see the documentary, but all right. But we'll, let's go ahead. Let's talk about those influences because, uh, you know, as I said, mentioned before, we when we met, we were talking about shared interest in Kendrick Lamar. And yeah. Surprisingly enough, you said that your favorite album from him was over-dedicated. Not only do you not hear a lot of people knowing about the album in the first place, you don't hear about people talking about that being their favorite album from Kendrick. Yeah. But I want to hear about your influences from uh, all the spectrums you're talking about. I'm talking Bollywood, um, hip-hop, R&B. Yeah. Uh, let's let's hear. Let's. Who are some of your influences? For sure, for sure. I'll start in high school. Kendrick Lamar and I got introduced to him by Good Kid Mad City. I heard of Drake and I listened to headlines and stuff back when he dropped headlines in 2011, I think, or 20, 2013, he dropped uh, uh, Start From The Bottom, right? And I was like, okay, this is cool. I started getting into hip hop and I liked it. I like, I could recite the words and I could actually rap. I liked it. And then I listened to Kendrick's Good Kid Mad City uh, my junior year of high school and I was like, damn, this is fire. Like, this is really good. And like, I actually tried to start to learn about like rapping and where Kendrick came from. I learned about Compton. I learned about West Coast rap. You know, I learned about NWA. I learned about those things through that good, that album. Uh, and then when I kind of got to call, I was, I, when I got to college freshman year, I discovered Bryson Tiller. He just dropped Don't off Trap Soul. And I was like, okay, this is fire. This is like new to me. Like hearing that hat with the 808, but doing soulful singing. I was like, this is so good. Cause I've heard of like, you know, Luther Vandross and stuff like that. I listened to, I used to listen to those guys too. I listened to the old school R&B from like, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties. Um, and, uh, you know, I listened to old school rock too. Uh, I love Leonard Skinner, Southern rock, Southern country rock. I like Leonard. I love Leonard Skinner so much. Um, that's a really good band. They made songs like sweet home Alabama and stuff like that. But yeah, I really got into Leonard Skinner and, you know, Carlos Santana and just classic rock and roll. Um, 
moving forward though, you know, uh, after Kendrick, uh, was Bryson Tiller. And that's when I was like, you know, I could do something like this. I could try to make some R and B. And that's when I started trying to take his influences and make stuff in 2016, I was making his type stuff, but my singing wasn't the best back then. I have to admit my singing wasn't good. I still had a lot to learn and to practice and get better. Um, so I learned a little bit more, tried to make more, learn how to produce and stuff like that. And then uh, 2017, I went to the Damn concert for Kendrick and man, that changed my life. I went to that concert and I was like, this is, this is incredible. That concert put me on, a, I've never been to a concert like that before. And I was like, this is incredible, like packed. And I knew like, I didn't know much about Damn at the time, but and me and my younger brother went, but like when I, when I, when I watched his set and stuff, I was like, I could get with this. Like, this is, this is what I want to do. And I remember telling my girlfriend at that time, I was like, you know, I want to do this. Like I was, I wouldn't stop rambling to her about how I wanted to be <laughs> Kendrick. I wanted to do this. And I was off that high. I lost my voice because I was screaming so much the night before at that concert. And um, so, you know, after that, like, I was like, I was just, that's what kind of fueled me to just be like, guys, we need to keep gas to the floor, man. Pedal to the floor. There's no stopping, no brakes needed, you know? Um, and so I started doing that. And influences came out from, like, the Indian community, Indian music scene where, like, you know, excuse me. <clears throat> you'd have, like, artists, like, uh, there's an artist in India, and his name's Arjit Singh. I like him a lot. I like A.R. Rahman. A.R. Rahman's a fabulous producer. He knows his stuff. I actually recently went to go watch him live at uh, Kemba Live, I think, in the, in the lawn. I just wanted to watch him in uh, July. So he did a really good job with that set. That was a fire set. He did a great job. Um, so, uh, you know, these kind of guys were influential to me too. Arjit Singh was dropped. He came out of nowhere in 2014 with a song called Tum Hi Ho. And that song is still like one of the most charted songs of today. And uh, he's always dropping songs like left and right and people love his stuff. So that kind of stuff. I also took influence from old school Bollywood. So we're talking like 70s, 60s, because that's all my dad ever played in the house was Bollywood. He has like cassette, he has cassettes and CD like collections of these songs, like 20 disc songs, you know, or sorry, 20 song discs. He had like six or seven of them. So I knew all these songs like the back of my hand because my dad played them so much in the car when we were driving chilling stuff. And so one of the most prominent artists was Kishore Kumar. Um, I learned a lot from his, just his music. And you can tell his influences are in my songs. Like you can hear the Bollywood in my songs if you listen to it. Um, the way my singing style is too, you know, I do a lot of, a lot of people like to do vibratos and that, and I, I love hearing that. Um, but you can actually hear from in, in Indian music, there's a little bit over extra vibrato where they kind of do like a roll with their throat, you know? Instead of just having one, they're going from one note to the second note like this, they do a one note, kind of do a little scribble, which is the throat roll, and then down to the second note. So I wanted to kind of perfect that and understand how to do that so I could put that in my songs too, so people could know. And to be honest, it low-key kind of came naturally to me because I was so, I grew up on just listening to Indian music. So when I started singing other people's music and these R&B hits, you know, I started learn. I would sing it in my own style, like maybe in the shower when I'm singing, but I would sing it with the Indian you know, vibrato, the mm -hmm. throat roll, and just kind of like learn how to do that. And I got better at that and understood that I have a really good low register. And then slowly as the years passed, I developed my higher register as well in singing. Um, but yeah, I try to put that in my songs a lot. You can kind of, you can kind of hear the influences. Um, but, you know, moving on from Kendrick, you know, obviously Drake's always been an influence. He does the singing and the rap stuff. That's, that's always there. I never was big into like autotune. I think it's cool and I really think it's catchy. But, you know, you've got like artists like Nav and you've got Future and I think it's really cool. It's just not me, to be honest. 
Um, XXX Tentacion, he was cool. I didn't take I didn't take influences from his music, but I took influence from the fact that he was young, he was driven, he was motivated, and he was doing it. You know, I took inspiration from that. I took uh, inspiration when I watched the Hulu documentary of Six Nine Takashi. I took inspiration from that because yeah, sure, he's a clown, whatever people want to call him, you know. But the way he got to fame is is impressive. I mean, that guy was hungry. He knew nothing but this, like to just do it, you know, to get big. And that's what I take from these artists. I love to I love to hear about their like startup, their stories. I love to research. One thing, Leonard Skinner, that Southern rock band I was talking about, uh, the lead singer, his name was Ronnie Van Zandt. They a lot of the a couple of the band maybe passed in a car in a plane crash in uh, 77, I think. But, you know, when I was listening to the story and understanding how they got big, Ronnie Van Zandt, that's all he did. Like, he was just like, they were tight. They would go to this cabin in the middle of nowhere in Jacksonville, Florida, and they would just practice, practice, practice all the time in this uh, cabin called, I forget what, Hell's Cabin or something like that. But like, there's no AC, you know, it's just, it was just hot. But he said, we're not done till we're done, till this is a tight knit band. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's, I don't mind running my show like that. And Dr. Dre, another example, he's the same way. You know, he's like, I'm until it's perfect. I'm not letting you leave the studio, you know? And I respect that so much because you will meet people who you'll meet people who have the, who have that motivation to do stuff, but they don't have the drive to just stay consistent. If it takes two hours to record a four bar line, I'm going to take the two hours, whatever it takes to get it to the point that I need to take. I'm not going to settle for something less, you know? And I kind of took that inspiration from Dr. Dre and Leonard Skinner, you know, Ronnie Van Zandt and those guys. I was, I, it just was really just, it blew my mind. And sure, you know, Takashi's music, I can't really compare that to Leonard Skinner. I think Leonard Skinner is amazing. And, and you know, those guys are big and crazy and Dr. Dre too, obviously. But I think Takashi's drive and the way he made it out of nothing, he made rags and riches out of nothing. I find that impressive and i know these other rappers and these guys do it too like if I, I feel like if i could look into any of the other stories i'd probably see the same thing but it's just those kind of things inspiring me that's like i can make it you know i can make my parents happy get my degree become an engineer but i can also do what i want to do and which is become an artist you know and i'm grateful for the opportunities like i said earlier about being an engineer and stuff and i want to try to continue that dual life of being this engineer because it keeps my mind sharp I'm very sharp in the mind with that stuff. And it allows me to also tap in my creative side when I'm off the clock, you know, and it keeps mm -hmm. me busy. I don't spend too much time watching TV. I have it, you know, I, I have a TV and I watch TV from time to time. I watch the news and TV shows, but I don't watch so much. I'm usually like always busy. If I'm not sleeping, I'm like up producing a beat, writing a song or, you know, working, you know, usually at the office or something like that. It's just, there's never, or I'm at the gym, whatever time I can get, I'm, I'm going to the gym, you know? So it's just about drive and this is the time to do it. I always remind myself, I'm, I'm not too old. I'm, I'm 25 and I don't think I'm too old. I think I, I think I'm at just where I need to be right now, honestly, to achieve what I want in this age. I think uh, with the amount of drive and the dedication I have right now, I think the next kind of few years, hopefully we uh, you know, plentiful, as long as I can stay dedicated and stay motivated. And that goes for anyone, to be honest, that if anyone like watches or something like that and is listening, I really do think the same thing. Like you just had to stay dedicated when Embiid said, trust the process. He's not wrong about that. You know, there's going to be days where you feel like the process isn't worth it. And you're just going to yeah. want to sit at home and just relax. And that's fine. Take a rest day. Everyone needs a relaxed day, but don't get too comfortable because comfort is is like the recipe for failure in my opinion. Yeah, no you need to be uncomfortable. Comes from comfort. Yeah.
Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I was just about to say, like, again, I want to applause your really tackling two very uh, um, difficult things to keep up with and keep mm-hmm. balance is, uh, you know, through college education, working for that engineering degree, finding a job for an engineering degree, while also pursuing, like, uh, your expression through art and the saxophone and also yeah. through so many different mediums. I think it's so cool. Thank you. Thank and you, you. you already uh, kind of answered this question I was about to ask because um, I'm about to wrap it up here, but yeah. I wanted you to like give some uh, like, cause I think you should be like a great inspiration for like kids are eight or kids, young adults are <laughs> yeah, age. Yeah. Um, but like, what, what, what do you want to say to like uh, someone around our age, probably a little younger than you who's in college wants to pursue what they want to do while also, you know, staying afloat. Never give up, honestly. And honestly, there's a lot of things that are going to get in your way to make you feel like uh, that you should just quit, whether that's the, let's say you're trying something new and you're trying to be unique. The community might shit on you for and be like, oh, this isn't cool. Like, what the hell are you doing? You're ruining a genre or something. Stay at it. It, it, Honestly, the newest genres come out just by experimenting. It was once experimental music, you know, Mm -hmm. and then it became rock and roll. And that's just how it is. That's how it's always going to be. So don't let people's words discourage you because I've been in that position way too many times where I let people's words, perspective of me, how people respond to my music, how people respond to my posting. I let that all affect me when it shouldn't have affected me in the first place. You know, that's number one priority. You got to know yourself and stay true to yourself. Don't don't bend your rules for, you know, just for someone else or some other crowd or to appease to a crowd, because let's say you appease that crowd, a crowd, a you're not a crowd. Then you're not going to then you're losing out to appeasing to crowd B. But if you if you just appease to yourself, then like you have your own crowd that you're just going to create. Then you're going to get the diehards that are just going to listen to you, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's all that you really need at the end that you want. You want people to listen to your platform. And then, um, you know, the other thing I can really say is you can't give up. Uh, that's that's really it. Uh, the fact I've been doing this, you know, I started playing sax when I was 10 years old, but I started making music about like what, like seven years ago, like like seriously. And I feel like, you know, I feel like my journey is just only beginning, to be honest, like uh, dropping these albums and getting a little bit of recognition here and there. And I dropped these. Yeah, you know, it's just starting. And I I, like I said, you may feel like after you graduate college, you're, you're old, but you're not. Honestly, the kids in college are kids. And when you get out into the real world, that's when you really get to understand about the world and other people and go travel and go work the nine to five, but understand how to balance your creative art, you know, and everything else that matters to you in your life. You know, the important thing is to never stay stagnant. And that's what I tell all my friends, all my homies, you know, I have a lot of friends that are all chasing. I love to surround myself with people who are creatives, surround yourself with people who have the similar goals as you. Maybe it's not music. You know, I have a friend who's a realtor. Shout out to my friend, Joe Weimer. He's a realtor, but man, that guy grinds. Okay. He's a, He's got his own drone. He's shooting his own houses. You know, he's 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 a fresher realtor. He's been doing this for about two years now. But you know, he's grinding. He's he does his own little YouTube videos. If you're ever looking, wanting to see like luxury houses, is this he in does, Columbus? Yeah, yeah. Six one four realtor is his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, he goes by six one four realtor on YouTube. But he's another example of people I like to surround myself with who are motivated and driven. There's times where I'm in a slump and I'll talk to him and he'll be like, you know, you, you know, you need a little bit of time. He'll always tell me, Anant, you need a little bit of time for yourself, a little R&R so you can go relax and then get back to work. And there's times where he comes to me and I'm like, you know, Joe, you just got to go the extra step. And I'm telling you, you're going to feel so much more motivated that you did that. You know what I'm saying? Because there's plenty of times where I felt like I should just stop making music. And I can guarantee you there's other t- 
times where my friends have stopped wanting to create their craft and you just kind of have to remind them that no dude you can't because then who's gonna make that then you know if i stop making saxophone covers today who's gonna make the next saxophone cover i dropped one today i dropped the cover just today of fetty wops yams and it's like who's gonna do yeah i'm the first i I don't know if i'm the first but when i played it and i actually mastered i was like damn this song was meant for the saxophone i would have never no one would have ever realized that unless i had actually done the tiktok you know so it's things like that I made a I made a saxophone TikTok for um, uh, that song Mood. Uh, it goes, "Why you always in the mood?" Na, 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 na. So I did that one, and that guy found me on TikTok and like commented on my video and stuff. So the, the possibilities are endless. You never know who's gonna find out and reach out to you. You know, I've got another friend named Abraham. He makes me he produces my tracks for my album and stuff, and we are really good friends, childhood friend of mine. Uh, shout out to him. He's he's uh, actually he's he just passed uh, one of his biggest exam, one of his bigger exams after med school. So he's on his way to become a doctor, but he makes really good music and stuff. And um, he uh, just got shouted out by Chris Brown like the other day. So we were like we were riding off that high for a pretty long time. He did like a he did like this little collab where he mixed a Bollywood song with Chris Brown's uh, uh, song. What's it called? I forget his name of the song, but he mixed the two genres, Bollywood and Chris Brown. And Chris Brown reposted his whole video on his Instagram story. And that was just crazy. That was just, it was just in- insane for us. But like I said, man, there's days when Abraham also feels like, you know, I'm telling you, we all feel like we're in slumps. My younger brother's an actor. You know, he's acting in, um, he did his, he did a couple plays. He does films. He does TV shows. He does advertisements. Shout out to uh, my brother, Adi. He's like doing things all the time. Corey, you met him in the sauna he's yeah, he's yeah. grinding hard all the time and there's times where he also like feels like that we all go through it bro and i don't know maybe you guys go through it too but i don't know just take a back and look at this video and just remind yourself bro anything is feasible it really is i was literally telling my dad that when we were talking about the whole like job stuff that i was going through and music and he's like he's like see i always told you you could do whatever you put your mind to he knew he will he always just tell me he's like you can get your degree and do your music living a dual life is not difficult and if anyone tells you different they're not thinking outside the box and that's so valid it's so valid that my dad told me that to be honest because yeah i was literally talking to him over thanksgiving break and i was like it's crazy you know but it's feasible i know i still got a long way to go but hopefully this uh hopefully this podcast blows up you know and then people years in the future will come back to this podcast to rewatch it that'd be crazy (laughs) it will happen but anyway uh, do you have anything, last things you want to say, last promotions, you want to give me shout outs before we close out? Uh, yeah, so, you know, check out my new album. Uh, it's going to be in December, but just follow me on, on Spotify, Apple Music. I'm dropping music regularly now. I'm not like taking like big hiatuses. So just follow me on Instagram or SoundCloud or Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. I go by Ananto, A-N-A-N-T-O. I'm also on YouTube. You can check out my music videos there. Um, you can follow the band as well, Soul Spectrum, 7-2 Spectrum. We do shows actively around Columbus and stuff up until I move. You know, we're just going to keep doing shows and stuff. And, um, you know... Shout out to all the guys I do music with. I, I can't name them all, but, you know, just shout out to everyone who I mentioned in the previous, like, throughout this podcast. And just shout out to everyone that's helped me made it this far. And, um, yeah, just just keep striving, bro. That's all I got to say. Just keep keep going. Just keep going forward. Great words, man. 